This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Tonight, uh, we're going to start our message in Luke 15 and 11, a very familiar story. The title of our message tonight is, Who Says You Can't Go Home? Luke 15 11, and he said, he being Jesus, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. There are three things I want to tell you about this story tonight. This is a very familiar story. And many, many, many people use this story when they are preaching to predominantly crowds where there are many people who have never received Jesus Christ. However, if you want to be very technical and practical about this story, this really has more to do with sons and daughters of God, and it is a parallel of how things can happen and in our lives as we relate ourselves to the prodigal son who was once a son and knew he was a son. Most of his life, he had been a good son. There's nothing in Scripture that makes us think he was anything but a good son until this point in his life. So it is a great prototype for ministers and pastors. I say that because I have been in full-time ministry for 42, almost 43 years, and I have walked this path before. As I told those of you who were here this morning, how many of you were here this morning? Most of you heard that I was uh, born again at the age of 19 years old. 
I was a dope-smoking hippie in the 60s. All we are saying is give peace a chance. And I got born again in a drug-induced coma. Both of my sisters had gotten born again, and they began to pray for me. And as I was about to leave my body, I won't tell the story uh, again for lack of time, but as I was about to leave my body, because my sisters were interceding for me, I had already departed from my body. I was looking down on myself on that couch. I had pulled so much of my hair out because I was, had, had accidentally taken an overdose. But my sisters were praying, and all of a sudden I heard a voice behind me. And I turned, and I saw Jesus. And he bent down on one knee, and he said, Sandy, I love you. And when he said that, I looked for the first time in my life into the face of unconditional love. Like I said, I was the youngest of eight poverty-stricken children raised by a single mom with a very severe facial deformity. I had never looked in the face of unconditional love. I had been tolerated all of my life, never celebrated. And when I saw him and I looked into his face, I believed that he loved me. And, I, and I, within 24 hours, I had given my life to Christ, and I was sold out. The first thing I want to tell you about this story, we're seeing something here about going from sold out to paid in full. The younger son had, up to this time, been a loyal, faithful, dedicated son of his father. One who had done the right things and quite often probably suffered the consequences for it as most good people do. Do you remember, I want you to think for a moment about yourself, pastors, leaders, do you remember how wonderful it felt when you accepted Jesus Christ into your life and you were sold out? How many of you remember that feeling? That was the most euphoric feeling to go from darkness into light, to go from loved and celebrated, go into being loved and celebrated after spending a lifetime being neglected and tolerated. I remember for the first couple of years after my salvation, all I wanted to talk about was Jesus. All I wanted to hear about or think about was Jesus and the Word of God. I lived in a cocoon, a bubble of blessing and favor. I truly believed in my heart of hearts that I was God's very favorite daughter in the whole wide world and no one could talk me out of it. When I called upon him, he always answered. He was indeed the air that I breathed. However, after a space of time, I got so accustomed to being blessed and favored that like the prodigal, I felt that I could maybe venture out a little. I knew my father loved me and wanted me to have the best. So over time, I figured I could spread my wings a little bit. Like the prodigal, I had asked God to bless me, and he always did. As I took my next steps, I began to realize that I could manage my own life quite well out on my own. Sure, I still loved God. Sure, I still sought Him and prayed to Him. But you see, I was graduating from need to greed. 
I was ready to prove to everyone that I could be successful, powerful, and talented on my own. Problems, betrayals, unequitable situations, unfounded fears, and lofty aspirations began to be very real and viable solutions in my head, but more importantly, in my heart. Even though I was blessed, saved, redeemed, and loved, I began to hear voices whisper in my head, there's got to be more to life than this. Like the prodigal, I secretly thought the grass was greener on the other side of the fence. The second thing I want you to see in this story is asking, seeking, and knocking. Be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. The younger son went to his father and asked him to go against tradition, to go against protocol, and to give him his inheritance while he was young. Now this request, as you know, went against everything the Israeli culture believed in. But out of love for his sons, the father gave both he and his elder brother their inheritance long before he should have. Matthew 7 and verse 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. What's so amazing to me when I travel across the country and in different countries, seemingly everybody knows this verse. But so many times, even in a crowd this large, I can ask, what's the next verse? And if it isn't on the screen, nobody knows that verse. Because the very next verse says, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now what does this verse tell us? This verse tells every one of you and me and everybody on the stage, just you and I right now, that we have presently exactly what we've asked for. There is no hidden meaning in this scripture. What you have right now and what I have right now is what I've asked for to this point. Let God be true and let all men be alive. Perhaps you need to reevaluate what you're asking for, hey? Because that's what the scripture says. God will let us do, you and I, anything we want to do. And he will never, not ever, take away our right to choose. Neither did the prodigal's father. He asked, his father gave, but then he went elsewhere. What? What did he go elsewhere for? He went seeking. Everybody say seeking. He went seeking into a far country. And to people who had little interest and no investment whatsoever into his life. Think about what this story is telling us. There's an old story, an old saying that I'm often reminded of in relation to ministry. 
it, you may or may not have heard it in Zimbabwe, but in America, we say it a lot. It's kind of a slang saying, and it isn't a scriptural verse, but it certainly is a Bible principle. And that is dance with the one who brung you. In Georgia, we say brung. In Texas, we say brought. Dance with the one who brought you. See, sometimes as believers, we get blessed of God and we knock on the doors of people who we think can advance our purposes and open doors of opportunity for us. See, as the prodigal ran through all of his money, he totally forgot the source of his wealth and blessing. The years of wise management and frugality that his father had invested into those resources. Likewise, unfortunately, there are many of us in full-time ministry that have forgotten whose shoulders we are actually standing on. I'm going to say that again. There are many of us in full-time ministry that sometimes forget exactly whose shoulders we are standing on. See, we push aside sometimes the remembrance of all the people who helped us, believed in us, gave us unusual opportunities because we want to rub elbows with people of influence. Knocking on doors that are closed in our face has the potential to help you and I very little. And most of the time when we begin to knock on those doors, they result in one thing, one-sided relationships. See, the prodigal went into a far country. He desired to get away from life as usual. He went through his money like water, but I assure you, he did not spend it all on himself. I am certain he rallied together quite an entourage. As long as he was paying the tab for everyone, surely he was the center of attention and the life of the party, as long as the free food, free wine, and entertainment were readily available. As pastors and leaders in the body of Christ, you and I know full well how many friends and associates we can court and impress if we're willing to carry people on our backs and pick up the check. I'm looking back over ministry now for 42, almost 43 years. And I have to say this, I have spent much of my time, my talent, and my treasure in one-sided relationships. See, often the faithful, sold-out people in our ministries have had to take a back seat to the ones who come in and manage somehow through manipulation, intimidation, or aggravation to take up most of our quality time. Wasted days and wasted nights. Bonnie said I couldn't sing. Pastor Bonnie said I couldn't sing, so I was determined to. Okay, here's a news flash, pastors, leaders. Here's a news flash. We will keep people in our ministries by doing exactly what we did to get them there. You might want to write that down in your notes. We will keep people in our ministries by doing exactly what we did to get them there. If we brought in big name speakers, they will come and they will stay with you as long as you continue to bring in big name speakers. If you bring them into your personal lives and into your homes, 
They will stay only so long as you continue to bring them into your personal lives and homes. If we give everyone who comes through the door, the, the back door of the church titles and seats on the front, they will stay as long as they keep their title and are positioned favorably. Some of us need to take a long, hard look at our one-sided relationships. About 10 years ago, my husband, Pastor Paul, and I made a quality decision that has changed our life forever. We would no longer invest ourselves in one-sided relationships. Now, I'm not saying that we will not witness, we will not spend time with sinners and new people that come in the church. I'm saying that ongoing relationships that prove to be one-sided. See, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus is our ultimate example. And Jesus spent most of his time on earth with people who were invested in his vision and in his ministry. See, people come and go in our lives, but there are those who are truly faithful and are truly invested in our ministries and in our visions. Pastors, leaders, these are the people we should focus most of our time, our talent, and our treasure on. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Amen? The prodigal, the Bible says, wasted his living on riotous living, and then he began to be in want. Everybody say, in want. Now, want here means lack. Hunger, need, and poverty. Poverty is not of God. There is no poverty in the kingdom. There is no poverty in heaven. That reminds me, well, I'll tell you in a minute. Up to this point, he had asked the prodigal. He was seeking. He was seeking. And now he's going knocking. He's out of money. He needs some help. He's calling in some of the favors from all of his entourage he spent his money on. He's looking for love in all the wrong places. Now the prodigal joins himself with a citizen of that country. See, when this son went into a far country, he had to acclimate to a different culture, a different mindset, and a different way of life. Now, when his living has been spent, he decides to join himself to someone whose lifestyle and core values are not his own. We've all heard the saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans, right? Wrong. Wrong. Sometimes dead wrong. See, we, you and I, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation who should show forth the praises of Him who has called us out of darkness into what? His marvelous light. You and I are children of the light. And in our Father, our DNA, there is no darkness at all. Before the prodigal could blink his eyes, this citizen had sent him out to do the absolute lowest task imaginable for an Israelite. He was sent to feed the swine out in the fields. Pigs! Israelis were forbidden to have swine 
or to eat swine. Yet, here he finds himself at an all-time low, so hungry, he wanted to take the husk of corn out of the mouths of the pigs and eat it. But the Bible is clear that no man gave to him. You know what? That includes that citizen that he joined himself with. James 1 and 13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. See, he was tempted, the prodigal, and he lusted. He was enticed. Sin was conceived, but you have to be very sure of this. Lust and sin and temptation was not Satan's ultimate goal. It was not his eventual motivation. This is Satan's ultimate plan for each and every one of us. He wants us dead in our sins. I'm going to say that again. He wants us dead in our sins, which reminds me of a poem. I was awakened in the morning by a knocking at my door. So I got up and went to see what all the knocking was for. There stood the devil with a box addressed to me. He said, Sandy, I've got something here I think you ought to see. I said, I know that I don't want it if it's anything from you. I hate everything you say. I don't like anything you do. But he pointed with his finger and he smiled, kind of sly, because the package said from God, there in the corner way up high. I said, if it's from God, why didn't he send it here by you? He said, oh, he always sends me when there's dirty work to do. This box is full of misery, poverty, and shame to perfect you through your suffering till you're worthy of his name. I told him, Jesus took my sickness and my poverty away. You nailed it to the cross yourself when you murdered him that day. The suffering that I do will be for love and not for shame. I'm already worthy by his blood to wear his name. I said, I know my father loves me and has only good in store. So you just take your job and get away from my front door. Because you can write my name on packages until I'm 92. But every single one I'm sending back to hell with you. If you ever want to know what's happening in your life, so many people this morning raised their hand that they were in a situation where they needed to overcome some things. If you ever find yourself in a situation in life where you're confused about what's happening and where it's coming from, just take a big black magic marker in your mind and draw a line through eternity. And then memorize John 10 and 10. On this side of the line... Jesus said, the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Other side of the line. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. 
Now, what is the most significant word in that verse? Huh? Shout it out. Might. It's the only word repeated twice. That you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. If you really want to move into the next step of your ministry, you're going to have to draw that line through eternity. And you're going to have to quit wondering about how did this bad thing happen to me. Because there's a devil and because he's a liar and because he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's after you. You have a real enemy, but there is a life that you, can, you and I can live that is more abundant. We can walk with favor all everywhere we go as we serve the Lord. So the prodigal says this, number three, I will arise and go home. Now about this time, the prodigal son begins to reflect upon home. Home. Home is not a building. It is not a particular house or a ranch. Home is where your heart is. The prodigal began to remember how much comfort, sleep, acceptance, and provision he had always found when he was home with his father. Likewise, you and I, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, can't help but remember those times in our life when we were so sold out to God and to our calling, and to our pastors, and our leaders. And Jesus was just a whisper away. We didn't have any problems in those days resisting enticement. We did not allow ourselves to lust after other things. We avoided sin of any kind, like the plague, and we were full of that Zoe life. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants to bring us low. Everybody say low. He's looking to bring us low. He wants to drive back any thought that you and I might have of courage, ability, and divine connections. He wants to isolate us, tempt us. And when we succumb to the temptations, he wants to make us think that we can never get back to the place we once belonged. But fear is a liar. Fear is a liar, and Satan is the father of all lies. Who says we can't go home? Who says we can't go back? Satan whispers, you can't. But you and I are never any further from a right relationship with God than our knees are from the floor. Don't buy into the fear and don't buy in to the lies. This morning, Pastor Paul, uh, is your, your last name's Cameron, right? Yeah, Pastor Paul Cameron. And also, um, um, my mind went blank. Oh, Mike, Mike. Both of them were telling us this morning that we need, it is so critical that we have safe people that we can trust, with whom we can confide. And there are people who will cover us and will love us, and they will be integrous when we talk with them. See, the Bible says that he who covers his sin will not prosper. The prodigal son began to long in his heart to find a way to get back home 
He had no dreams or illusions of ever being received back into his father's good graces as a son. He determined that he would be more than willing to get back home even as a servant. He rationalized about becoming the best, most dedicated servant his father had ever seen. His dreams of anything more than survival had all but disappeared. Who says... We can't go home. As soon as the prodigal thinks of returning home to his, to returning to his home, the voices in his head begin to tell him, you are no longer worthy to be called a son. His pride and his arrogance had disappeared along with his money and his spirit of adventure. Now he was in a place of desolation and despair. He was so willing to go back and work for his father as a he had enough of living his life his own way. He was ready to head home. How many of you saw the movie Spider-Man? I know your children probably made you watch it. Anybody you saw the movie Spider-Man? Raise your hand. Don't lie. God's watching. Of course you did. One line in that movie will forever be with me, and it's when Spider-Man's aunt said to him, You're as sick as your secrets. That doesn't just mean sick physically. It can mean mental illness. It can also mean poverty. And even if you get money, it's like putting your money in a bag full of holes. His raggedy clothes, his pigsty smell, his absolute hunger and his longing drove him in the direction of a father that he knew in his heart was good just and kind. Satan was screaming in his ears, you will never find your way back to a place of unconditional love, acceptance, and sonship. With low expectations and an embarrassed heart full of remorse, he headed home. See, the father had never sent out spies to check on his younger son. He had never sent people to follow him around, but he had been looking for his return with great anticipation. As pastors and leaders, I want to ask you a question. If you have ever had a span of time or a season when you were closer to God than you are right now, maybe your next step is to come to yourself to arise and go home. The Bible says the prodigal's father had compassion. Compassion means empathy, concern, consideration, care, and kind-heartedness, not pity. He didn't have pity on his son. He had compassion. The Bible says repeatedly over and over and over that Jesus was moved with compassion. The difference between pity and compassion is that when you have real godly compassion for someone, you do something about it. Amen? See, never has there been any human being with anything like the compassion our Heavenly Father has on us, His sons and His daughters. Our Father is waiting with a ring and with a robe. He's not looking to punish us. He's looking to restore us as sons and daughters back into our rightful place as joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I want you to watch this video. And then we're going to have a very, very special service. Pastor Bonnie's going to come 
and we're going to close it out a little bit different way. But I want you to watch this video. This is the theme, pastors, you were asking this morning. What is our vision statement? Our vision statement is over the top of our, as you enter into our sanctuary, and it says, give your heart a home. Watch this video. hollow laughter your sighs of secret pain pretending and inventing just to hide your shame plastic smiles and faces blinking back the tears empty friends and places all magnify your fears If you're tired and weary Weak and heavy laden I can understand how It feels to be alone I will take your burden If you let me love you, wrap my arms around you, give your heart a home. It hurts to watch you struggle and try so hard to win, but trade your precious birthright for candy coated sin. Wasting priceless moments Restless and confused Building up defenses For fear that you'll be used If you're tired and weary Weak and heavy laden I can understand On you and walk here by my side. Let me heal your heartaches, dry the tears you've cried. Never will I leave you, never turn away, keep you through the darkness.
To be in the ministry of God is a high calling, and as we said this morning, to whom much is given, much is also required. If you've ever been closer to your Heavenly Father than you are tonight, it is time for us to come home. Yes, pastors, leaders, sheep, it's time to once again give your heart a home. Problems, betrayals, poverty, condemnation, and fear. Sometimes even the strongest people in ministry are driven to follow the Lord from afar off, much like Peter. When we follow the Lord from afar off, we're just close enough to watch everybody else get blessed, but not quite close enough to have the anointed blessing of God on our life. But if there are people here, let's all stand. I've asked Pastor Bonnie to come and do a song. I, I, Sherry and I were blessed to be sitting on the stage with Pastor Bonnie at Christ of the Nations when Terry Law was preaching. And uh, he was preaching on the prodigal. He was preaching a much different message because he was preaching to sinners. Uh, but And I'm preaching to the body of Christ. Many of us have got secrets that are wrapping a noose around our necks. Many of us have got things that have pushed us further and further away and further and further back. Pastor Bonnie wrote a song called Father. This is not the story of the prodigal I'm telling you tonight. This is the story of a father. This is the story of a good father and the greatest father ever. I had no father growing up. I didn't meet my father but one time, until I was 17 years old, and he was not a good man. He did get saved at the end of his life, but I had no relationship with him. And I know there are father issues in here, but there's a place where we can go, that we can return back to the place our hearts know so well, the place where we hold nothing back from our father, because when we do that, he'll hold nothing back from us. He's not looking to teach you and I a lesson. He's got a ring that is just your size, and he's got a coat made especially for you. You know, in a relay race, the baton is never passed to those who are sitting on the sidelines. That's why Satan wants us to follow afar off, because he wants us to miss those golden opportunities from our spiritual mom and dad and from the organization that we've committed our lives to entrust. He wants us to miss those blessings by stepping far enough back just in time when God was going to do something to take you to your next step. Pastor Bonnie, would you come? And here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to pray for anybody. What I want you to do is Pastor Bonnie begins to sing this song, Father. If you feel like you need to come home, if you're feeling heartsick, if you're fed up with being fed up, and if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you want that next step, you want to get back to that place that we all know so well because we've all been there. Some of us have been there more times and then fallen back and then come back more times than we could count. I wish I could tell you that ever since the day I got born again that I've never stepped back, but I have because of heartbreak and disappointment and because of one-sided relationships. But tonight, I want you to just come and find a place at the altar. If God has spoken to you in this message, God wants us to move into a real maturity with Him where nothing shall by any means move us out of our place and out of our commitment to go as far and as fast and as high as we can in God. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.